0: Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry. Personal trainer, sports performance coach, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right alongside me, Mr. Damian Mackey, former Sooner receiver and national champion off the 2000 team. And we're going to talk a little bit about that with an interview we just had recently, Dmac. But Dmac, it's bye week. How you feeling, man? You know
1: what? Uh, sometimes you sometimes you win when you lose, and you lose when you win. Uh this was one of those weeks where uh because we didn't play we won. So it was good to see some of the fire and brimstone from some of the other programs around, across the country and we got healthy. We had an opportunity for our guys to uh get some normalcy. We got an opportunity for our guys to learn some more schemes and to build some depth. So I'm feeling good. Feeling good about the program, feeling good about where things are headed. Um looking forward to a productive week of practice and then a win in Ames uh Iowa on Saturday.
0: I love it, man. And then the Sooners, of course, finishing up the bye week this week, uh, but have Iowa State on the docket. But before we get started, want to give a shout out to Blue Wire Podcast. We are officially affiliated with them. In fact, you may have heard an ad or two. DMac just told me that our recent interview with Torrence Marshall just had one pop up at the beginning. We have been waiting. So uh, very cool to see, guys. Wouldn't be possible without any of you. And then also Sooners360.com. D talk a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, man. You know, um, listen, I, I gotta I gotta be honest with you. This isn't your average. Um, fan website or troll website or casual Joe, you know, yelling and screaming at everybody. If you want to have conversation about the actual game strategy, X's and O's, the analytics, right? We've got some heavy hitters over there talking about the program with actual data, right? We've got guys who actually know their stuff that are giving you feedback, right? So shout out to, uh, you know, Sooners 360, go check it out. Go check it out. Here's the way I look at it, guys. You know, us as Sooner fans, we want to have a place where we can go and actually have the discussion about the game without all of the fluff or the riffraff or the shenanigans. If that is you, take a peek. By the way, everyone keeps talking about paywall this, paywall that. Guys, you can literally check it out. There's a lot of free information over there. Just go and get in the community and get your eyeballs on a place that's authentic, right? Right. Co-signed by uh, insiders in the program, co-signed, obviously, by alumni like myself. Uh, We got a lot of the other guys who played in the heyday, the golden age, uh, and recently hanging out over there because they believe in the product and they believe that this is going to be a great representation of the program. So I'm I'm a little hoarse today, but I was coaching football on Saturday because we didn't have a game. (laughs) But soon as 360, man, the 360 means you're going to get a 360 degree approach. That's the whole deal. We're not just going to talk about the basics. We're not just going to talk about the polarizing stuff. Obviously, we like polarizing, but we're going to give you guys information. There were some questions um, on our our chat yesterday when people were saying, hey, I have a question regarding a four-man front or a three-man front. Guys, you're going to get the GIFs in games. You're going to see the in-game GIFs that show exactly how or why your question was asked. Right. Like there's no there aren't other mediums doing that. And it, it, again, yeah, obviously we're in business, but we want the Sooner fans that, that, that are in that community to be educated and really know the game. So check it out. You know, I I wouldn't be a part of it if I didn't think it was something that was real and substantiated. I wouldn't put my name on something if I didn't feel like it was legit. And, you know, coaches like Coach V and and the rest of the guys, we got we got seven or eight coaches on the staff. I wouldn't want to put out something that misrepresents a program that I care about so much. So super excited about that place. Having a good time. By the way, it's fun, too. It's really a good time over there. Uh, Take a peek. That That would be my recommendation.
0: Agreed, man. So far, it's been a blast. Um, I just put up a couple articles this past week, had one when we launched off kind of talking about, you know, some of the terms that are used when describing athletes that scouts and people talk about, right? Like having good hips and, you know, good acceleration and all of these things. That stuff to me, a lot of times when I hear people say that DMAC is just like literal gibberish, (laughs) <laughs> because they they don't necessarily know what they're saying. And I really like taking terms like that and trying to quantify like, okay, what's happening? Why does so-and-so have good hips? Well, it's not because like his literal hip joint moves really well. Yeah, he could have some good flexibility and mobility, but we're going to talk about some of the the inside stuff, the things that that deeper level that... People don't necessarily go to when it comes to talking about recruits and players and, you know, where guys can get better on the performance side. Just had an article uh, up there about Jackson Arnold did some video along with it. So it's all stuff you, you will all want. So I promise will not be disappointed sooner 360.com and wanted to give a quick shout out. We put up a Twitter post. Um, we won't keep this too long. Uh, just wanted to give a couple of shout outs to the people on there at josh Crum at mason b09 what's up at mason b09 at boomer paul he's on a ton of stuff see his name around at brian lou 159 200 and at ride dog for you Dmac ride dog for you said that he loved the x's and o's and in performance insight on sooner 360.com are we surprised I mean, uh, it's only up from there,
1: man. It's only at the community, by the way, uh, loads of subs every day, which means people are coming into the community. And the beauty about it, guys, is they're bringing value. We had a gentleman like, hey, man, all I do is track data. Can I is this a place where I can post data? And obviously we want to make sure it's legit first. But we're like, absolutely. We want an educated and informed community. And that's exactly what's happening over there. So good stuff, man.
0: So we won't keep uh, keep burying the lead, guys. Sooners coming off of the bye week, as dmac said, players had a chance to get healthy. Young guys had a chance to see more reps. And you we may go out there and see a little bit different Sooner team. I think it's a little pie in the sky to dream up them coming out with something brand new, brand new depth charts and whatnot. But dmac, there is likely to be some real tangible change in some key areas. We talked about it a little bit following the Kansas game, but what were things like for you when you guys had bye weeks um, following, you know in this case it was it was a win, right? You guys didn't follow you know too many losses with a bye week or that those teams just didn't lose very much. I think what'd you lose like seven or eight games your whole career at OU? I lost
1: five games my my red shirt freshman years, zero games, my sophomore year, and then two and then I we were undefeated when I got injured um in 01. Um oh, yeah. but but we lost two games that season and and ask a lot of those guys, they'll tell you, um I believe I make enough a difference in those games for us to not lose because we, we there's just certain guys that are glue guys. You know, I was on all special teams. I was a third down, third down catcher of the ball. I'm, I I love making championship blocks, and we lose both games by this this the the thinnest of margins. Obviously, up in Lincoln, and then at home against Oklahoma State. Um, but as a Sooner, I forgot what it felt like to lose because I didn't lose a game after I was a 19 year old kid.
0: Man, one of the one of these days, I'd love to. Maybe we'll do this on Sooners three hundred and sixty. But to do a rewatch on that Nebraska game, you know? Oh,
1: you're killing me, bro. You're killing <laughs> me. That would mean I'd have to like, like I would like have to cr- seriously criticize one of my good friends, and that's Nate Hibble, Because I mean, I just got to tell you, oh, I loathe. I would loathe that, but I'd be down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll be see. Down. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, guys, Sooners wrap up the bye week. Um, Dylan Gabriel, fully healthy. He's now quite a few weeks removed from the concussion. So going to be interesting to see if the Sooners handled the backup quarterback situation any differently going forward. Obviously, we've seen some names at receiver, um, different guys coming in in the secondary. So just I, I think there's some excitement. Uh, around this second half of the season but before we get into that Dmac, i want to give out a few a uh, few awards in reviewing this sooner team right i want to look at the offense look at the defense um, look at maybe the most impressive unit of the team and maybe talk about another guy but let's start on the offense man i know thing th- they haven't met expectations. That is like literally the most captain obvious statement of the year, but there have been some guys who have stood out. So offensively for you, who has stood out, been the MVP for this team?
1: Uh, Is it one or is it per unit? Because I have one overarching for the offense. And then of course I have a couple of guys that are kind of like in the running. So which one would you prefer?
0: do the overarching, but I do want to hear the units. And I think people would also like to hear that as well.
1: Yeah. um, So, I I mean, the the, the captain obvious answer is obviously Dylan. With him, we are a team that can pretty much play in any game. You know, it's interesting, right? I'm watching football Saturday and we watch K-State TCU. And um, the K-State game, he probably plays his worst game of the season. That's probably his worst game of the season. And yet we lose by, you know, a score where if the defense gets the stop, we have an opportunity to go tie the game at home. Um, And then obviously, K-State's playing against TCU, who basically routes us um, in a game. He gets hurt early in and it's it's it's, you know, it's anybody's game at the end. In fact, TCU has to come back to win it. So, you know, when you're talking about most valuable player, I think it goes without saying that Dylan is the guy who we understand, you know, is 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 the most important individual. Not 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 to mention the most important position on the offense. So you're talking about the most important player at the most important position in a position where we literally have zero depth behind him. Captain, obvious answer. I'm going to keep it short and sweet and then also say we got to show some love to my man, Gray. Holy freaking moly, we got a player in our hands. And uh, just to see his arc from where he was last year as a player in the system, in the program, between the tackles. You know, last year between the tackles, you touch him, you sniff on him, you blow on him. He's falling down. Now he's killing people in the hole. Like literally, he's a he's not Deuce. Fine. I mean, I just reminded me on Saturday how ridiculous he is in short area spaces. I mean, he's ridiculous. And he's not Bijan who's also, I think, a very gifted, special player. But I got to tell you, he doesn't take a backseat to many people in you know, the way he's playing right now. And a gifted player, I think he's cemented himself if he stays on this trajectory as being a guy who plays on Sundays in some capacity. And uh, I think he's extremely valuable to the team, considering the distance between him and the next you know, man up at the running back position. Behind him, there's a pup, and then there's obviously majors who – for one reason or another, you know, can't can't get on the field and and continue what we thought was a spark at the beginning of the season. So Gray Gray's right there. If you're talking to me, it's 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 Gray and Dylan. Um, those two guys, I would say, are really putting in work and, and have earned the right to be uh, MVP-esque players on offense.
0: You already know who mine's going to be yeah oh, like, <laughs> you just want a steak, bro. Like, come <laughs> on, bro. You just, you just. And I'm gonna, ta- I'm to talk about the stake numbers in a second.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, how close is it? Just tell me, how. it's two. I'm, I'm behind by two, it's right? It's Two behind by yeah,
0: two. Yeah, I yeah. So. yeah. Okay. You need, you need. Me- and funny enough, I think with the bye week, the offense is is probably going to be clicking a little bit better. DG a chance to get healthy, like fully healthy. Put the concussion way behind him. Play a little more comfortably. And obviously he's been more in sync with the receivers. I think there's a chance with some of these games where you're going to have some, some of those shots available against the West Virginia, right? Oklahoma state hasn't exactly been a juggernaut on defense. You're going to see some things open up for receivers and chances for guys like Farouk Mims. Obviously he doesn't want to end the season with three touchdowns. Like that's not, that wasn't his goal for the year. So I think there's a chance there, but Braden Willis has been such a massive leader for the team. And we talked about what that meant kind of big picture for this squad, but I think it cannot go understated how important his presence has been in the run game blocking, how important his presence has been on some of the passing downs on some of the goal line stuff. I would argue if they they've actually had good goal line numbers and a lot of it has had to do with him just blowing guys up out on the edge and and sealing that thing off. He's been a critical piece to them, not only putting the points in his hands by him catching the ball, but also him giving points to the other guys. And At this point, he's now demonstrated that he's a receiving threat, so now backers, safeties, they've got to account for him. It's a dimension of football that if you can have other guys step up and also make those plays, you're looking at a a threatening offense. Stinks, this is the, the last year, but boy, has he put on some good tape for NFL scouts to see that he didn't really have last year. I think his blocking has been turned up a notch. You've gotten to see the athleticism that everybody thought he would bring when he first got to Oklahoma. It was a dimension to that position that we just hadn't seen in a while. And I, he's not a Jermaine Gresham, you know, by any sense of the word, but there are some things he does really, really well now. So for me, got to be Braden Willis, but a uh, Mac, defensive side of the ball. Defense has been much maligned this year. They've had their struggles. They made a few more plays against Kansas, and I know this might be a tough question right now, or maybe it's an easy one. Who is your defensive MVP for the Sooners?
1: It's actually fairly simple, and um, by the way, it's also a call-out. You you know how I am. Uh, uh, There's an intention behind everything I say. The MVP is bar none by a wide wide margin it is bowman and the lack of his on the field availability has shown a lot of weakness and inconsistency in other areas what we gotta what we have to do is go back and really respect the fact uh uh-oh get that what we have to do is go back and really respect the fact that when he was on the field the whole was not an, it was a non-issue and guys the hole is essentially from the slot you know from the from the end position where the tight end could potentially be all the way through the slot to the outside receiver going down about eighteen yards it's about an eighteen yard area of the field and there's different terms for it some people call it the alley some people call it the seam whatever we called it the hole and he dominated that area I mean he dominated it by the way he dominated in the run game and he dominated in the pass game. He was a really good player who was instinctively able to rob. What a, what a, what a robbing player does, guys, is pre-snap uh, a safety who's robbing, right? Pre-snap, the offensive team doesn't know if he's going to bail and cover a deep third, a deep half, if he's going to man up. Or if he's going to be driving on all the in cuts, the big 12 is probably in the SEC has caught up. They've, they've, they've uh, definitely duplicated the philosophy, but the big 12 has for 15 years dominated that in cut. By the way, it's how inferior teams like Oklahoma state, like TCU, um, what are some Baylor Baylor, not so much. Baylor was more of an outside team, quick slant team, one-on-one, but it's an area, by the way, us, it's an area where we have dominated teams who just uh, just play essentially uh, nine on 11. The two safeties just don't let anything get behind them. They're not really in an area of the field where teams could take advantage of the area behind the backers. And, and Bowman has Put us in a position. Well, was putting us in a position where, as a robbing safety, he's bananaing through the alley on run plays and killing. I mean, he's making yards, three, four yards, uh, uh, and you know. Past the line of scrimmage, this isn't a 7-9, 11-yard tackle. He's making it right where the backers are because he's reading it, he's diagnosing it, and boom, he's pulling the trigger. But in the passing game, go watch the first three and a half games that he plays in. Well, he gets hurt early in TCU as well. But you watch those in cuts. They're challenged. He's breaking them up. He should have had a couple picks, um, and he's very, very, very assured of himself. And so for me, it, it's it's without question. Once Bowman goes out, it's a it's a revolving door of safeties. We've seen four or five. We've, we've literally seen five guys at safety 17, 6, 12, 25, uh, uh 23, 7 played a little bit, right? There's a ton of guys who got an opportunity to play, and none of them have been able to duplicate him. Key looks like he's in a position where he's healthy and can and can be that player, but that's not his game. His game's a little different than Bowman's. Um, and by the way, we had, you know, three obviously play there last week too, um, but it, no one. there has been no one else consistent enough or impactful enough to say they have been uh, an MVP on the team. There isn't anyone in the D line who's had enough impact, in my opinion, consistently throughout the season. There hasn't been a backer, right? Maybe you could say 23. That, that might be a, you know, oh, yeah. but he's a far, he's a far second for me. For me, he's a far second. He's just he's playing winning football and making the plays. That the reason there's a reason that position is called the cheetah. That position is put in position to make a ton of plays. Like if you're not making plays there, you're not doing your job. So so he'd to probably him. be your two. He would probably he'd be, be my number two. two. Okay, he'd be my two, and it'd be a shitty two, by the way. Not that he's playing shitty, but like MVP, he's just playing. He's like he's just doing his job. You know what I mean? And and not to slight the fact that he is, because a lot of other guys aren't doing it effectively, but like it's not like he's dominating. When Bowman was in the game, when Bowman was back there, the defense looked different. And the moment he went out, all of a sudden TCU has guys wide open. So there's that. That that's that's my thoughts on MVP on the defensive side of the ball.
0: You know, it's so fascinating how quick things change because. I have a feeling if it was the first three games, if we did this after non-con, the way we were talking about 28, the way you know we had brought up about 14 yep. and 40, they were just playing outside of their minds. Or at least it appeared. Maybe that was competition. You know, Kent State, there were some quarters of football there that they probably want back, but it still wasn't bad football. You 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 beat a team handily that you're you're supposed to to handle. But when that K-State game came around, it was the when the competition ramped up, things really, really adjusted. And I'm curious to see if down the road OU does experiment with kind of the things that you've brought up um on Sooner's 360 with regards to how they can best get those 11 guys on the field. Do you move a guy like 28 over? Do you bring a guy in like seven? Do you maybe put, you know, 12 at Cheetah? Those are some things that maybe the bye week has created some opportunity for different guys. I've got to go with, you know, five as well. And honestly, I don't even know if there's another choice. I guess you could argue, save the issue is you can't take those plays out. But I think Woody had a very strong first three games and against Texas, he was playing out of position the, the whole game, but he still wasn't necessarily a, a huge detriment. In fact, probably score might've been 70 to nothing if he's not on the field. So, so who knows? Right. And we'll talk about Texas in a second.
1: Go, Woody's go ahead, been good. Man. Woody's been good. Just the impact. You know what I mean? Like, there have not been enough impact plays. Woody's Woody's playing winning football. Listen, you play corner, man. That's a tough. That's a Unless your name's Deion Sanders or Champ Bailey for a period of time, you're going to get beat by scheme and or a perfect throw and or a dude who, you know, there's just dudes. You know, you're going against Megatron who's 6'5, runs a 440 and jumped a 41-inch vertical. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's going to be plays. Where you where you're gonna give stuff up. But he's not most valuable this season. I mean, he hasn't made any game-changing interceptions. He hasn't third and you know, third and long or whatever, and an impactful play, got a pass break up, or jumped on a route and got a guy for the line of scrimmage. Bowman was doing that consistently. And the crazy part is, is as soon as he got out the game. We didn't have anybody else who could do it until the last couple of games. White, salute to him. That's why I say he'd be a distant second because he has made some impactful plays, including turnovers, including sacks, including making plays in space um, before teams get the opportunity to make a first. So it would for me. It's it's Bowman, it's White, and then you know everything else is yeah right.
0: What's been the most impressive unit on on the team as a whole? Where where do you think they're the best?
1: Oh God! You know what's? I, I saw. Oh, and listen, holy freaking moly! Who's the best unit on the team? Again, I think there, there, there's something to be said about the running back position. I don't know. um I think Barnes may have one fumble. I maybe,
0: but yeah, I think he I, has I, yeah, he has one. Like week against one, you, maybe or week UTEP, two Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, um the running back position, but gosh, dang it. Here's my, as much as I want to say them, it sucks because it's like they've made the least amount of mistakes, but I still think they've left a ton of meat on the bone. Every Saturday, I see somebody's running back taking it 80, taking it 60, Mm. taking it 50. You know what I'm saying? Every Saturday, I see somebody's running back kind of basically running through the safeties, arm tackle and getting to the house. And we just have not, the longest run of the season is still a quarterback sneak the longest run on the season and and it's not even close. His run is probably twice as long as our longest touchdown run. We, I think we've had some 40 yarders, you know, uh, mid, you know, 20 to 20. But if you ask the question, those guys have played well, uh, and they are, um, arcing in the right direction right now. I think all three of them are right now. I can only, I, I think we can only say two, but, uh, Barnes is getting some neat, much needed, uh, preparation for next season. Obviously gray, is taking his game to a position where I think he's at least an honorable mention esque player if we keep winning games, and uh, they're not a detriment. There haven't been any, many plays this season where we're like, "Oh man, they actually were uh, a, a reasoning why something bad happened." Receivers, also, but again, there's a lot of meat left on the bone. I think they want the, I think there's a, a bunch of times they're open, and there's more potential to hit them. But it's not like we have guys that can catch the ball. And, you know, we don't have a CeeDee Lamb who can just make three guys miss or Mark Clayton who can get busy in space. You know, even a Ryan Royals who's going to catch it and, and, and be consistently getting that yak yards. We just haven't had that. Uh, and I don't think we have that guy on the team this year. Uh, Farouk could potentially do that down the road. I, Mims comes back next year and really puts it all together with a very, um, you know, comfortable offense. And we'll talk about that a little bit more too. It's the running backs. I, I don't I don't think there's any question you 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 gotta go with the running backs.
0: So that leads me to this. OU had a bye week essentially right at the midpoint of the season. It's a really good time to have a bye week. It does feel like they got through the toughest part of their schedule. I think that's objectively true. Save Oklahoma State, right? I mean, that's and of course Iowa State and Texas Tech are always generally tough outs, but Oklahoma State is the only top 10 opponent left on the schedule, right? Baylor isn't necessarily who fans thought they would be, but they're still a solid team. OU sitting at four and three. I saw somewhere they're technically not mathematically eliminated from making the big 12 championship, but the odds are very low. I, I saw the formula and we might have to look at that and see if we can put something up. On the, on the site just as far as what would have to happen. The issue is they don't own a lot of tiebreakers with the top teams, so it would be a struggle to get that two-spot. It would likely have to be a two-spot. There's no way they get the one-spot. And K-State's going to have the tiebreaker. TCU is obviously going to have the tiebreaker if somebody else TCU drops be the one. two.
1: TCU will be the one. So we need TCU to win. We need Texas and K-State to lose a ton, and then we need to win out is essentially what
0: needs to happen. That basically is what needs to happen. Yeah. So OU sitting at four and three, little easier back half of the schedule. What are the realistic expectations after seeing what this team did to a good Mm. Kansas team? Maybe they weren't as great as we thought they would be, as we thought they were, but they were a good team. What's realistic for this team going forward? Is it win every game? And go into the OSU game and say, this is a toss up. You got them in Norman or are D-Max expectations a little less than that? And maybe, I, I guess you could say, what are the team goals going to be? But then also, where do you see this thing falling?
1: You know, college football, like most anything else in life, is a very interesting um, phenomenon. And here's, here's how I look at it. And here's how I think uh, Coach B is looking at it the first thing we got to do is win Saturday. We've got to put together a win streak. What we noticed, um, it doesn't matter competition, right? Because if you do the whole um, community property, right, we beat Kent State by 30 and, and and Georgia barely beat Kent State. That means we can be on par with Georgia, which I don't think anybody believes is true. So uh, the difference is we had not Given anything up yet, and guys were playing in positions just off instincts and doing their job versus thinking and probably reverting back to past experiences. And then all crap, you know, we can see in their eyes and their performance that happened to us. Our one, without a doubt, I don't think there's, I don't think there's anyone who can argue there's not been a mental aspect to the game that has had a huge impact on how our guys play. So we know, and 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 I'll say that you know, for me, I know confidence. Will breed momentum. So, the first, very first thing we got to do is put all our eggs in, in Iowa State. Period. We don't have room to feel like, oh, we're a team that can just show up and beat them, or we're not going to show all our stuff, or we don't need to do trick plays, or we don't need to go into, you know, pump block in the first quarter. We may not need to do a surprise on side. Like, all that's on the table as far as i'm concerned because we know the psyche of this team is fragile and if those guys don't feel success we know how they act when you know things get difficult so as you look at the, the the second half of the season in its totality, you put all your eggs in the basket of Iowa State, number one, and you go to and you know that going to Ames, Iowa, is not the same as playing Iowa State at home. It's just not the same experience. Those guys play good football at home, and we have for a long period of time struggled against those guys. Um, you know, when we go to Iowa State, and that doesn't mean we always lose. Right? We don't lose per se, but it's a game. So we gotta we gotta win Iowa State. Who do we play after Iowa State? Is it is it uh
0: Baylor? It's Baylor, Baylor at home.
1: Baylor then Okie, right? Baylor then Okie State. Baylor
0: then at West Virginia then Okie. Oh okay okay yeah got it okay perfect.
1: Uh, remind me to say something about Okie State on the air before we get off. Just just make okay. that reminder for me because yeah we got an invitation and I want to give your I want to get your opinion on if we should do it. Okay, so we go we go Iowa State. I think it's a winnable game. We got to win Saturday. We have to win Saturday. Saturday will tell, I'm going to start picking losses if we don't win Saturday. If we don't win Saturday, I'm going to be like, we're not better than Baylor. We're probably going to lose. We're not better than Oklahoma State. We're probably going to lose. That's just the way it goes. Let's assume we beat Iowa State. We've got a two-game win streak. Let's say we get out of there without serious injury. right? We don't have a bunch of casualties to, to the guys we really need. We play Baylor at home.
0: Baylor at home.
1: Yep. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. So now, Baylor's the biggest game on the schedule. And I know people are going to say, Mackie's just going to say every game is the biggest game on the schedule. No, I'm not. But Baylor at home with the two-game win streak, we haven't felt a loss in three weeks because we had a bye and we didn't lose like, like A&M and like Texas did, losers. Um, so now we're feeling good about ourselves. Our guys have forgotten what it feels like to lose. Baylor's the biggest game on the freaking schedule. I believe we come into Baylor probably with the with the bowman back. By the way, I was the one hinting that he should probably be back by Baylor. He should be back by Baylor, right? If not Baylor, for sure, Oklahoma State. But you get the leader of your defense back. He's the leader. Sorry, 28 and, and 31 and all the rest of these guys. Your leader is the guy who does it by example, too. And, and that's five at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Um, West V should be a game that we build confidence and beat their ass. I don't care if we play them here or we play them there. We need to beat their ass. Because we're going to Oklahoma State, and, and I know it's at home. We played them in Okie State last year. Um, it's a bit game, even regardless to what happens between now and them. And that's a game we should win, but we could lose. And if you ask me today, I think they're a better football team than us. If you go position by position, excuse me, group by group, I don't know a position group from starters in that position group where we are better than them. Uh, and quarterback is even a push right as, as well as DG can play he makes some bonehead errors and I watched the game and Spencer said, Spencer does the same thing too, mm. but Spencer also makes plays with his feet and scrambling and and when he needs to make some throws he may he made some throws he needed to make in that in that in that UT game um and he's a four year starter that counts for something in the same program with the same system so if you ask me today. You know me. I'm not going to pick losses. I'd say four and one. Um down the stretch. You know, that one is probably Oklahoma State. That's a game we could win. If we go into that game on a three-game win streak, oh, the week of, I'm picking us to get the dub. But looking at it from a glance today, I think it makes a lot of sense to assume that's a game we 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 could lose, but don't sleep. Texas Tech and their offense and their quarterback um, and the culture they're building. Let us be two and two or something. Well, you know, let us have two losses between now and that game. That's a game we could one hundred percent lose if we're not, um, you know, mentally where we need to be. So, so B. I think it's four one or I think it's two and three. I don't think it's like a three and two and, you know, there could be an opportunity where maybe we play somebody tough and we just find, you know, we just can't find a way to win. But just looking at our team, I think we either go four and one. And again, I put an asterisk next to that because if we're three and oh going into Okie state that week, I'm picking us. So, you know, that four and one is slash five and oh, I'm just giving you guys an at a glance for today. But if not, dude, we're staring two and three straight in the face and and we're looking at a six and five, five and six esque type season, which is why you put all your eggs in the baskets the next two weeks
0: for sure. Well I'm gonna predict it right now if they win these next three to set up for an Oklahoma state battle, you will by then have had some other teams in those two and three spots in the conference lose and you're going to start having some well, if they can beat Oklahoma State, and then they can, you know, win these last two, there might be a shot if things go their way. So, going three and zero against these next three opponents is going to be—I mean, I think that's the task. And if you do that, you probably guarantee yourself not a great bowl, but a, a solid bowl at that point. That puts them at seven and three, and then you got the last two essentially being games that you could lose could not you could win them both and i will say the difference between seven and five versus a nine and three bowl pretty significant so they're going to be uh they're going to be shooting for that but i i think if they if they run these next three games you're going to see um you're going to see see the talk of them possibly making the title game i think that will absolutely pop up Mathematically, still unlikely, but I have a feeling it's going to happen. You but know, the
1: one um, thing I concerned about the most would that be? Honestly, what? and it's gets crazy. It's Oklahoma State. I don't. Okie State still has to play K State. From that, who else can beat them? So we need to beat them, and hope someone else left on their schedule can beat them, because we'll both have three losses, and we will have the tiebreak having beat them. But I, my biggest concern is I think we can get on the win streak, and I think we can beat them. But K State, would notwithstanding, I don't see anyone else left on their schedule who can beat them, and that's the problematic uh, issue for me. I would not be surprised if we're not in the conference championship. A three loss conference championship year actually would be sick. I think it'd be like the Paul Thompson year, right? Where those guys had all the things against them and then they found a way to win it at the end, uh, which would make me happy. But at this point, um, unless some things change, I-, I just think there's too many variables that we don't control in front of us to be thinking. I think I think what you're saying in terms of just controlling what we can control Be that team who was shaky the first half of the year, got things together the second half of the year. And it's it's very, very much reminiscent to those seniors in the 99 season. You got to remember that 99 season, there was no one in the program who had ever been a winner. We didn't like the 98, 97, 96. You know, I think 95, they went like five, five and one or something. But like there wasn't anyone in the program who had ever experienced a winning season, let alone a bowl game. So that 99 crew, although we lost the bowl game to uh, to Ole Miss, they a, and we went back and watched film and like we should have beat all their asses. Nobody really beat us up in 99. So look, in 99, we lose. We lose to Texas. That's our first loss. And we, we, we were up 21-3. We should have beat them. Flat out. We 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 started giving stuff away. And then we we didn't understand that game when the momentum shifts. Holy shit. When that momentum shifted, and I think it's uh Cavill, they run a, a a receiver screen to Kwame Cavill, and and we Pee-wee Woods misses the tackle right there. Like we should stop him right there. He misses, and I mean he's up the sideline, 45 or 46 yard touchdown from that point. We could never get the momentum back because we just didn't know how. It was kind of like what T. Marshall was talking about that season. We had to learn how to win and be leaders. We lose to Notre Dame, which I don't care what anybody says, and I'm not a sore loser. They cheated. They cheated us in that damn game. And I mean, they got every spot. I got, go watch the damn film. The guy pulls me down. I whoop his ass off the line, beat him inside. I I stack his ass. Josh threw it a little. He should have threw it a little farther, but I have to slow down, which means he crawls up my back before the ball is there they called nothing and it, it, it just blew my mind Um uh, we we there's no reason we should have lost that game we lose to oh we lost to colorado yeah. yo i'm gonna lie buddy blazed my ribs in that game oh man you go watch the film this is the smallest guy on the field thank god he's like he's one of the three guys smaller than me that freshman year i was probably 186 something like that his name was Damian Wheeler. In fact, his name is Damian. His name is Damian Wheeler. Man, I ran an under route or I ran a mesh route and it was man to man. So I, I had to keep running. If it's man, you keep running. If it's zone, you settle. And Josh led me right to him. And you know, what's funny is uh, Coach Leach took the blame because when we have, when we're expecting man coverage, we're supposed to call a wheel to the running back. The wheel will take the backside corner out of the play. That corner has to carry that wheel. And he didn't call the wheel and, and Q didn't run the wheel. And because Q didn't run the wheel, that backside corner was sitting in the at back, the backside flat sinking and looking up, you know, what's coming, what's coming, what's coming. And man, Josh threw me that ball. And all I saw was daylight. I saw a, a, a barrier. It looked like the white light was like, oh, I'm about to score. I'm about to get bit. Boom. And I'm parallel to the ground with the ball on my hip. I almost fumbled. I'm literally <laughs> parallel to the ground. the smallest guy on the team hey so this is what i was talking about with with some of those guys in that tcu game you think that felt good do you think that Mm. felt good that shit hurt you know what i did i got off the field and no one could tell i was hurt now the damn cameras freaking followed me and on the sideline i crumbled and I'm like, oh, it looks like that. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I didn't want anybody on the field to know I was hurt. Though, B, I be I did not want DB dub. I'm like, no, nope. I couldn't let him know because if I let him know I'm hurt, by the way, we're losing second half of the game. If I let him know I'm hurt, their moment, they get to steal momentum from us. I caught the ball. The, the possession went on. I think we I think we threw a pick or something anyway down that down the road in that possession. But I was like, I mean, I'm hurting, bro. My lung is collapsed. I feel like one of my ribs is stuck in my heart. You know, I'm like, yo, I'm about to die. That's how I felt in that moment. But I literally jog off the field. JJ looks at me like, D-Mac, you okay? Hell no, nah, I ain't okay, man. You saw the fuck what just happened? And so I get to the <laughs> sideline. Bro, and they kept the camera on me, man. I was so mad. The camera stays on me. And I like crumble. Like, look. And so I was done for the game. I didn't play anymore the rest of that game. And I thought my, I thought my ribs were broke. They weren't because he was a little guy. Thank God. But anyway, we lose those games, but we learn how to win. If OU this season takes the medicine they got first half of the season, like you said, they go three and oh, I'm back on the, I'm back in my crimson colored glasses. If we were playing Oklahoma state this week, let me ask you this question, B. Let's just say the schedule said we're playing Okie state this week. Who do you pick?
0: I'd definitely pick Oklahoma state. I'd pick Oklahoma
1: state. I'd pick Oklahoma state. If we were playing Texas Tech this week, I'd pick Tex. You know why? Because I don't know if our offense can put up enough points. They need to show me again with Dylan that they can go put up points. I need to see at least one more game. So I think it's worked out well that we're playing uh, Iowa State because they're going to have a solid D, which will let our O know if they're, you know, an offense we can depend on to get to the 40 points per game. That people got mad that we picked, you know, 31. I think we're right around that area, just saying. but uh. It's good because we're going to have a challenge on defense with an offense that's not overly explosive and overly multiple where it's going to be putting our guys in harm's way.
0: Well, and you're finally going to see if the run game, because even though Iowa state maybe doesn't have the same guys that they've had two, three years ago on that defensive front, they still have talent and they're incredibly disciplined. The The guys on those defenses know how to do their job. They know how to fit. Like they, They played K-State to like a 10-9 game, if I remember right. Just something stupid. So they play good defense. I think it'll be telling of where Jeff Levy is in terms of how he sees the offense, where he thinks those strengths are, what he thinks his offensive line is capable of. I'm curious to see if OU has maybe tweaked a few things in the run game to be able to attack the back half of this schedule with the type of physicality that they're going to need to have if they want to turn these games into wins thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the barry and Max show this will conclude part one also sooners 360 recruiting game breakdowns film review and everything in between please go leave us a rating and review and we will see you soon